a good athletic director is probably one that does not micromanage you, that trusts you to to bring the solutions to the table of the problems are at, that are at hand. You watch a duck in the water, it seems like they're just gliding along. They're so graceful, right? But underwater, man, their feet are working like crazy. And you just never see that. He said, as a leader, that's how you need to approach your job. Hey everybody, this is Pat Cohan with the 80 Insider Podcast. Today I'm gonna to take you inside our 80 Insider Live Thursday 30 show where we interviewed Lynn Poole, the Assistant Athletic Director for Austin ISD in Texas, and Darian Harrison, Assistant Athletic Director at TL Hanna High School in South Carolina. In this episode, we covered a lot of topics, but three of my favorite questions that we brought up were, what is the best thing you've stolen to help you in your job? What advice do you have for future athletic administrators? And what makes a great AD? Before we dive into these topics, we want to thank our sponsor for helping put on this episode, the Wade Coaches Directory. This is the team that has been helping coaches and administrators for close to 60 years. If you haven't already this year, check in with them and update your school's information today. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this AD Insider Podcast. Darian, you went to Clemson University. You were the football equipment manager, and now you're the head, uh, you're the running backs coach for TL Hanna. TL Hanna is the same school that the famous radio movie was made after, so for James Radio Kennedy. Uh, you're a social studies teacher, and you currently serve under the South Carolina Athletic Director of the Year, John Can. Is that accurate? Two-time Athletic Director of the Year, actually. He won it back in, I want to say 2012, and then he won it again uh, this past year. So, yeah, I serve under a really good, good mentor, and um, and he, he's helping to mold me and hopefully a future Athletic Director myself. But, yes, that's all correct. Um, unfortunately, you mentioned radio. Uh, radio passed away. Um, I want to say December of 19, um, after a long battle with a lot of a lot of internal uh, issues. But he was Mr. T. O'Hanna, Mr. Anderson, South Carolina. Um, I mean, how many high schools do you know that, you know, you have a, a movie made after the, a student that was basically enrolled for, you know, 40, 40 something years, you know, because they, you know, they kind of let him stick around. But uh, <laughs> yes, I was a, I was a manager for, for, for four five years um, at Clemson and I met a lot of great people. And um, got to see the other side of athletics, you know, you know from being a athlete myself when I was younger and then going into, going into school and, and seeing the other side of things and, and what goes on uh, from an administrative standpoint. So uh, that launched my interest in athletic administration and uh, maybe uh, allowed me to make some contacts and eventually lead me to where I am now. Absolutely. And then Lynn played basketball at West Texas University, assistant coach at the University of Texas for 10 years, where you're part of the 1987 undefeated national championship team. Uh, you were part of the 1984 gold medal women's basketball Olympic team. Then you spent 19 years at Bowie High School. Uh, you were uh, a part of the Texas Girls Coaches Association and the Texas Basketball Coaches Association. Uh, and now you're the Region 6 Director for the THSADA, uh, Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. So very involved, really excited to have you a part of this interview and both of you to dive into um, you know, what Assistant Athletic Director role is and uh, to learn a little bit more about what you do at your schools. So Lynn, I'm going to start with you. When someone asks you what an Assistant Athletic Director does, what do you tell them? Well, I pretty well tell them that uh, we're the worker bees. We're the worker bees behind the athletic director, behind the athletic department. And um, we try to make everything run as smoothly as we possibly can. Um, 
I'm over, I'm over a lot of sports. I'm over volleyball, girls, volleyball, girls, and boys, basketball, girls, and boys, soccer, softball. And, uh, I, with them, I make sure they're our UIL, which is University Interscholastic Lead, who uh, oversees all of our high schools in, in the state of Texas, that they are in compliance with all the rules and protocols from AISD and the UIL. Um, we do, I do participation reports, data reports. It's important for us as far as getting monies from the district for our, our uniforms, equipment, those type of things. Payroll, do a lot of that for game help and and for our officials, and uh, it's it's quite it's quite an extensive list that I could keep going down. But um, as as you get it, when I say worker bee, that's kind of what we do. We we have our uh, we do facilities. Um, we put on events, uh, and you've got to have your game help people. There's just a lot of different things that you do um, in those different areas. Yeah. And for Darian, you know, coming into this role, like we said earlier, you're equipment manager at Clemson. So you got an idea of what uh, high level athletics, how it operates. But what was the biggest eye opener for you when starting your career in athletic administration? Oh, man, Uh, there were a lot of eye openers. Um, Just understanding how big the job was. You know, when you're a player for a specific sport, all you know is that sport. Even when you're a coach for a specific sport, that's all you really focus on. And and realistically, that's all you really want your coaches to focus on. You want them to be um, as great as that one one sport as they can be. So going into the uh, administration role and understanding how to, you know, to allocate resources across the board and be a liaison between coaches for, you know, facility usage and things like that. Uh, just the, the scope of the job. You know, a lot of people uh, don't really know what ADs do. You know, they if something bad happens, they know, <laughs> yeah. they know who to blame then, right? You know, when problems arise, they know who to go to then. But um, all of this, like, you know, you know, Lynn mentioned, you know, even officials and getting them ready to go for, for game events, you know, that's something that falls in the, lap of the athletic director and and there's just so much that goes into it that uh, I just didn't know about you know I knew that Mm -hmm. they had some things to do behind the scenes uh booster club uh issues and transportation issues eligibility issues I mean I I know they had to do a lot of things but just the the big scope of it and um and what all what all goes into and so for Lynn, when you look at I mean we just mentioned like all the little things big things but all the things that you guys are involved in if I was a young person coming to you and saying, hey, I want to get into athletic administration, what would be your advice? I mean, because I have no idea about officials. I have no idea about buses. Like, I don't have the experiences. I don't have the skills uh, to be able to carry out most of those tasks. What do you tell somebody like that? Well, just like Darian was saying, there is no instruction manual. You, you kind of learn by the seat of your pants as, as you're going along and, and what you need, uh, what you need to do and what's needing to be done. But I think the most important part for young people, uh, those that are in college and are taking sports management um, uh, certifications and, and getting degrees in those areas, you've got to serve in the trenches first to be a really good uh, athletic administrator. You've got to get out there and you've got to coach. You got to uh, see what coaches do need. If you jump straight into athletic administration, a lot of times you're missing out on on what what happens in the trenches, what the coaches need, what the uh, in Texas our coaches are teachers first, and then they coach 
uh, alongside of, of their title. So therefore, they're teaching a full load and it's very difficult for them as well as to coach and to understand how they balance those type activities. Um, it's important that you get out there and that you network. Um, if you want to be in a, a athletic administration, you need a web network from high school, from the time you're in high school all the way through, if that's the direction you're wanting to go. Your contacts are going to be very, very important as you move forward in, in those type things. And join as many organizations, athletic organizations, as you can. But when you join them, do something about it. Be a part of a committee. Be a part of, an, of the organization that's going to do something. Volunteer yourself. Volunteer at games. Volunteer at track meets. Do those type things to get your feet wet and to know what you don't know and to see it firsthand. Yeah, Darian, I'd like to just ask that same question. You know, I'm a young person asking you, hey, how do I get your job at the football game to be in the golf cart? You know, like, how do I get that? Yeah, um, I think it, it starts with, um, Chief Lena hit on volunteering. Uh, a great way to look at it is there are so many things to be done that uh, the AD has to do, but somebody else could do. So if you're the type of person that, Instead of waiting on someone to tell you mm -hmm. to do something, when you notice a need, you just go ahead and take care of it. Uh, that that reputation gets around. You know, if you're the person that's always there and always getting things done, uh, then people notice that. And um, and they understand that you are a worker bee, you know, like Lynn said, and you're a person that can be depended on. And and then they start wanting to give you a few, uh, some more responsibility. And that starts you on your path. So having a mindset of uh, being a servant and just understanding that, uh, your your job, you, you have your primary job that you whatever it is. But uh, anytime you have an opportunity to do something else that could enhance your department, uh, you know, serve your your players, your community, your school, whatever it is, uh, then that's what you need to, to do. It's, it's not you can have a handbook, but it's, it's kind of like teaching in the classroom. Every day is a little different. Uh, all situations are a little different. Mm -hmm. um, dealing with. Uh, people on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing their issues into conversations and it's, 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 there, there are handbooks to tell you what to do, but you got to be able to think into a little bit and you, you have to be ready to respond and react. And the best way to do that is just get yourself in as many situations as you can um, and get your hands dirty as, as quickly as you can. Um, just putting out as many fires as you can. I love that. And I love that. I mean, I want to expand on this servant concept because there's so many books on the servant leader, right? Be a servant leader. Uh, being in an assistant athletic director role, you have a leader as the athletic director, but you, you know, how do you manage that? So how do you become a servant leader when you're already being led by maybe, you know, two-time athletic director of the year in South Carolina who may be a servant leader as well? So I, I'm going to go back to Darian. Like how, where does that um, organize in your mind on how you can be a servant when you have a leader that's trying to serve you? Well, I look at his role as he, you know, he's, He's the guy that's trying to keep things off the principal's desk, um, off the superintendent's desk. He's the guy whose job it is to make sure athletics are run as smoothly as possible. And I'm the guy who's trying to keep things off his desk. So anything that I can do <laughs> while he's working and teaching me how it's supposed to be done, I'm volunteering and I'm trying to just find ways to learn when he's not even actively teaching me. You know, I look at it as, you know, every, every issue, every meeting every conversation in the golf cart on a Friday night. It's an opportunity to learn something. So I'm working to take things off his desk and take, take items off his plate uh, to make his job easier. 
And as I'm doing that, and he's guiding me through that, well, when you do it next time, do it this way or don't do it that way. Well, now we both we both receive something from that interaction. And, and that's the mindset that you have to have going into it. Lynn, do you have anything to add on it? Because I love this point of servant mindset. Well, I think a lot of times for me, I start with the end, end result in mind and work backwards from that. So what is it that we are trying to accomplish? Where is it that we're trying to go? And how is it that we're going to get there? And so with that, sort of start at the end and work backwards to what it is. How, how do we start this project or how do we start this these playoffs or how do we start this facility, those type things. And it's so important with your athletic director that there is a communication there, that you are on the same page, that you understand, uh, you have clear expectations of what needs to take place, and then you take it and run. I've always said that um, a good athletic director is probably one that does not micromanage you, that trusts you to to bring the uh, the solutions to the table of the problems are at, that are at hand and uh, to be able to, just like Darian said, take some of those things off their plate. Well, we right as you were saying that, uh, we did have a question come in. So uh, I want to kind of bring that to both of you because I think your answers on the servant mindset were great, but I'm going to give you kind of an unscripted question from our audience to see how either one of you would take this. It's from Kyle in uh, Port Washington, New York, and he says, any tips or tricks for supervision of coaches that are more that are more experienced or longer tenured than the AD? Interesting question. <laughs> so, I, go for it. Okay, uh, basically longer tenured than the AD. Uh, I'm in a different situation than the coach that probably put that question in. Uh, we have 13 high schools and 19 middle schools, and we have athletic coordinators that are on our campuses for our high schools and our middle schools, and they all sit on on um, uh, committees with the athletic director. And many of them, I have a very young athletic director in our department, and many of our head coaches are older than our athletic director. So there are times when new ideas and old ideas may clash at one another. But again, I think you have to look at, at what it is, the end results, where it is you're trying to go and what's going to be the best way of getting there. And overall, I really um, have not seen many problems at all uh, with the older and the younger generation uh, having any, any of those conflicts. I think that it's real important that when an athletic director comes in, that they established um, what it is, their, uh, again, their clear expectations, where they want to go with the department and what they want to do. Darian, anything to add on that? I mean, you're out of school, so you're in the building. Yeah, I think, um, and I know what I know what he means with experienced people, you know, getting direction from folks who hadn't done it as long. I think the biggest tip in trying to deal with folks who are more experienced and more tenured than you are is, making sure they don't feel like you're attacking what they have felt like was a winning formula for them for an entire career. You know, you're just trying to help. You're not trying to say what they were doing was wrong as much as you're saying you might be able to enhance some of their plans. Um, I think it's important that they don't feel like you're trying to out them. You know, you're, they don't feel like you're trying to, you know, embarrass them and make them seem like they're incompetent in the job, especially since they've been doing that job, you know, since before you got there. But, from your perspective, you just see it a different way. Um, you know, your, your 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 perspective is just from a different angle, and um, you're there to try to help them be better at the job that mm -hmm. they've already been good at. Um, and I think if you go at it from that perspective and let them know that that it's it's not an attack, it's just an observation sort of thing, then um, they'll be more receptive receptive to that 
that uh, constructive criticism, if, if that's what it is. I think it's another so, piece of that is listening. It's important to listen. And I think, yes. And, and Kyle says, amazing advice. Thank you so much. Exactly what I was looking for. So that's the whole point of this Thursday 30 Live situation is to help people out. So if you have more questions, keep putting them in the chat. We'll really try to ta tackle those. Um, I think that the thing that resonates for me, being a young person uh, in, a, in a role to put in new ideas and things like that, I, I loved your comment on um, you're not attacking, you're just suggesting. And some people are phenomenal at bringing criticism or constructive criticism without you even knowing it. Like the way I can't, I'm not good at it, but some people have a way of just like delivering a message. And it's like, it was almost like it was a joke or a, just a really lighthearted way to do it. Um, what, what would you guys say you're really good at in terms of your communication skills to deliver messages like that? Or what's your strategy? Sorry. What's your strategy for giving difficult information? Once, Lynn, can I go first? Yes. Okay. You know, so one strategy I have, and I, I take this strategy in the classroom. I take the strategy with my personal, my children. Um, but I like to ask you a question on what you're doing to see where you go with that question. You know, hey, what do you think? Uh, what do you think happened with the situation? Well, why do you think it went wrong? You know, what do you think you could have done differently? And that right there is now the criticism that comes up in the conversation, at least initially, is not what you're saying to them that they did wrong. It's kind of letting them get the opportunity to say, oh, yeah, you know what? That probably could have been better. So that's a way to start start it to where, one, you're allowing them to take a little ownership, right, and, um, and see what they did wrong or right. And then you're not attacking. Them. You're bringing it up, but you're, you're letting them bring it up. And then, well, you know, well, how do you think you could have done it differently? And what do you think we can do about it? Man, I, I think I'm, what about this? You know, you think this could have worked. You think that could have worked. And I think the tone of that approach is so different than you saying, hey, man, this is incorrect. Um, you're wrong. You're bad. You know, that sort of thing. So that's my, one of my approaches to dealing with situations like that. I love that. Lynn, anything to add on that? Um, I kind of take the approach where um, I'm very honest with the coaches. I, I give it like it is, but I also listen to them. And many times they may not understand why it is because it's difficult for them to see the whole picture. A lot of times they have the blinders on, you know, like the horse and they're not seeing the whole picture. They're only seeing their sport and they, they have to see the whole picture. And as a large district, uh, we have a lot of that 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 we have to deal with a lot of the times. So I listen to the coaches and I and usually I'll tell them you, you have a very good point, but this is why it's being done this way and and let them know why. As a coach, that's what I always did in teaching fundamentals. This is why this needs to be done and this is going to be the outcome of it. And so I think it's very important that that your coaches understand why it is there is a policy or why it is that the schedule's the way it is or why it is that we run facilities a certain way. Yeah. And Jim here in the chat left an answer of his own, um, loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. Love that as well. So uh, you, you talked about um, all the things that you have to handle at the district level. So I'm going to kind of transition into how do you manage all the events and all the different teams, coaches, players, like give me a, just a snapshot of that. And I do have the pictures that you provided if you want to allude to those as well. Where do you uh, want Lynn. to? That was okay. to Lynn, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, there is a lot. I think one of the uh, 
again, having a lot of schools, it's very easy uh, to miss a game and you don't have it, uh, officials there or you didn't open up the facility for teams that were supposed to be there or those type of things. We play a lot of our games at central facilities versus the, the schools themselves, just because our schools do not have large gymnasiums and those type of things. Or we, we do not have turf fields at our high schools. There's still grass. So anything that's outdoors usually comes to our, our uh, central facilities on those. So you have to be very organized. We have a Monday morning meeting, our 930 meeting that we call our LLL meeting, which is Lil, Lou, and Lynn. Lil is our athletic director, and Lou is an, is an assistant athletic director with me as well. And he manages over the crew of of the of the district so we have di- different type of of uh, jobs here but we all have to work together to make the whole job work and um i don't know if you want to pull up those boards pat and, and just kind of show those real quick but our mon- our monday morning meetings are the schedule for the week on what it looks like where people are going to be uh who's going to be there the game help the crew uh, that type thing. And then we have another board that's for the month. That's the month board. Those are activities other than athletic activities. And some of them are athletic activities, but a lot of them are activities that are going to happen other than what are normal activities. These are special activities that are happening at the facility that week. And that's for the week of March. And then on the other boards that we have, that is all the games that are at our facilities that week. Uh, where they're at, what time they're at, who's going to be uh, supervising at that stadium. And uh, if there's been a game canceled, of course, through COVID, we have a lot of red on our board a lot of times, uh, that type of thing. So those are ways to organize and, and be ready uh, to to uh, meet all the challenges that you have uh, in putting together your your weekly basis. We have a master schedule for the whole year of all of our games and there's over several thousands of games middle school and high school so it it takes a lot of organization to get those things to happen and darian um you know you're known for your details and your organization skills so for you guys how does that differ at the school level at the uh, on campus on how you guys organize all the different events and things that are going on well um we actually do our meeting like the, the monday meeting we do ours on thursdays for the week coming up. And we do it on Thursdays because on Fridays, we want to blast out all the plans that we think are in, 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 um, in effect for the next week to all of our coaches, for them to give one more look and make sure we've covered everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, we look at our, our, our monthly schedules, we look at our yearly schedules and, and make sure that everything's in line. And on Thursday, we actually use Google Calendar and Google, mm-hmm. the Google Suite, you know, Google Sheets. And we, that way my athletic director and I can work on it together, you know, and, and make red uh, notations for canceled <laughs> events. You know, and we know all about that with COVID for sure. But um, uh, put everything, you know, it's, it's very color uh, coordinated and uh, for practices, for facilities, for events, you know, who's working, uh, the gates, you know, what security are we going to have and all that stuff. And uh, we look at it on Thursday. Uh, we make our changes that we need to send it out on Friday, give coaches, you know, um, a, a, a day or so to say, hey, well, we actually want to uh, practice inside or we actually want to, you know, move the practice to the middle school or something like that. And then we can come back on Monday and we're ready to go. And we know we know where everybody's going to be and where, where everybody is. You know, we, we also uh, what we what we we started doing that a few years ago. But what we learned, um, uh, the person that a group of people that really need that information is our athletic training staff. And that's just a little lesson that we learned the hard way. 
because we had coaches that might switch facilities or something like that that they weren't telling us. So then mm-hmm. athletic training staff might be showing up to this middle mm-hmm. school, but they weren't switched to that middle school. And that's what we said. we got to have a central location that everybody can go to. And you can see it in real time, how it changes yes. and, um, and and be able to adjust. So that we found that the, the, the Google Calendar and, and some of those items, has, uh, they've been really beneficial for us. Yeah, Lynn, in our prep call, uh, you had a quote that I actually I wrote down and you said it is what a great athletic director does. Um, and I want to bring it up here. And, and it was they organize people, not just paper. And as we're hearing in this, it's like people got to be in this in the right places mm-hmm. at the right time. And and that challenge, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts at, at both the school and the district level. So. Uh, I just I wrote that down as like yep keeping that one I'm stealing it that's that's going to be on uh, I'm going to quote you on that several times so I, I, but how do you do that what 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 have you guys learned about organizing people um, in terms of how far in advance you have to communicate things or how you have to communicate things I think we learned a little bit with the Google Sheets but anything more on tips on organizing people uh, that you've learned in your roles um, we go ahead okay. you go ahead Lynn. Well, we have we have a lot of uh, double checkpoints or triple checkpoints, and and if we have a master scheduler, which we do, then we have another person who schedules officials and security, but they have to work together. Then we have another person who is doing the arbiter accounts on payment of officials and game help. They have to work together. So it, it is a domino effect where you are checking balances, so to say, throughout. And it's not just going to one person and then that huge mistake's been made and it's on one person's shoulders. So we have a lot of check and balances throughout. And I think it, it is important. Uh, again, we have a large department. We probably have 15 people within the department and then another 15 crew members that work at our facilities and all. And and all those people do very well at their jobs. They know what their jobs are, but they also rely on one another. We rely on one another almost like a family. So it's not just one person in a cubicle doing their thing and not ever conversing with anyone else. There's a lot of communication going on. Yeah, I can I can I can agree with with what she just said about the delegation of, of responsibility and making sure one person doesn't have too much uh, on their plate that it can't get done. Um, you know, we have another uh, assistant, uh, an admin assistant that helps out our athletic department here at the school, um, and and we we or you know look at all those items and we divide it up as, as needed. Uh, my AD always says, you know, uh, in, in terms of leading, organizing people, he always says, you know, never assume that that they're going to anything. You know, never assume that that coach knows what time they need to be at the facility. Never assume that, you know, they're, they're going to have that gate unlocked. Never assume anything, you know, because again, for that coach, um, their focus is just their sport. You know, mm-hmm. their focus is making sure they win, you know, making sure they um, uh, uh, are responsible, responsible to their athletes. Their, their focus isn't the big picture. You know, um, their focus isn't the bus, making sure the bus is going to be on time. They just, they just know that bus is going to be there on time so they can get to their game. Um, so he always says, never assume that the coach is going to do any of the stuff that we have to make sure gets done. And it's, you know, we... Throughout the Thursday meeting, we make sure it's taken care of. And if there are changes, we want them to communicate with us. But uh, it's more of, look, we're going to serve you from the ad- admin standpoint. And we're going to try to take care of all of these details. Mm-hmm. So you can just get back to what you really want to do, which is to coach your sport. And, um, and that way, 
uh, they don't even realize it, but we are trying to organize them to make sure they don't make any mm-hmm. mistakes that they may make by 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 really truly giving them what they need to uh, be successful in their, in their jobs. Well put. And you guys are giving some great advice. I want to dive into what advice you have or what have you stolen recently? You know, this was one of my favorite <laughs> questions that was going to come in. So I'll start with Lynn here. You know, for you, what's something you've stolen that's really helped uh you and your role? Well, there's probably three things. The biggest one has been this last year, COVID information from all the coaches across the state of Texas. Uh, I didn't even know what PPE meant. And, <laughs> you know, those, those type things. And, and we didn't know what a lot of things meant and what it was going to look like and how we were going to do it. We didn't have a roadmap for any of this. And so it was, it was, inter, it was networking, interworking with all the different athletic directors across the state. And somehow or another, we've gotten through it. We've been able to hold championships in every sport at this point, and we've got a few more to go. So um, we're, we're really excited about being able to have accomplished those things through the UIL and, and all the organizations in the state of Texas. But um, that's probably the most recent piece. Um, didn't Don't reinvent the wheel. If somebody's got something that's working, let's use it. And, and everybody's been really good about sharing those type of things. Um, another piece is character development. We are really big, especially um, when we first started out this year uh, and we were unable to practice. We did a lot of stuff virtually and we did a lot of that online and we did a lot of character development type thing. So we were looking at different districts, what type of character development that coaches could use with their kids uh, when they were unable to actually work out and uh, work in those areas. So that, that's been a, a big one for me. And then, like I said, when I first came into this job, one of the things I was told you need to develop a handbook. Uh, well, what what's supposed to be in that handbook? Well, you just got to figure it out. And so I, I made, again, that's where you're networking in contacts. And I was amazed at how ADs across the state, well, here's mine. I'll just send it to you. Use whatever you want to out of it and put something together that that's going to work for your district. So um, I, I can't take credit on a lot of what's in the handbook because a lot of it was stolen from other districts. <laughs> so and people those are probably seek you the out for things. that. I know yes. that people seek you out now for your handbook because of all that it has in there. <laughs> That's correct. So Darian, same question, you know, what's something, uh, the favorite thing you've stolen recently or of all time that's helped you out in your role? Well, I'll, I'll talk about two things. Uh, one thing uh, is the, uh, the use of social media. To get um, to get out dates, to get out events, things like that. You know, being in the classroom with students and and asking, "Hey guys, um, did anybody go to the game last night? Or who's going to the game tomorrow night?" And and getting the answer, man, I didn't even know we had a game. You know, doing football season is easy. Everybody knows about football, but uh, you want your students to support all your sports. So um, hearing them say that, you know, over the years, you know, how can we do a better job of making sure that. They know what's going on. They know what time whoever's playing, they can come support their classmates and that sort of thing. And I saw a graphic from a uh, actually a region school, uh, one of our uh, one of our competitors, uh, and the, the AD there put together this graphic every Monday uh, of what their week looks like for matches and games. And they blasted out on their social media, their Instagram, and their their um their Twitter. And I thought, man, that's a really good idea. You know. Uh, as coaches, we may send a master schedule to our parents at the beginning of the season uh, for all our games, but do we do it every week to remind to remind, remind the people what's coming up this week, especially in sports that might have multiple games during the week? So I thought that was really good. Um, I've been talking to my AD about that and how, how we want to put it together, what exactly we want on it. 
Uh, we don't want it to be too much uh, that, that turns people off and they don't want to read it because it's too wordy and too lengthy. And they think, well, I'm not reading that because it's on social media and they just want to get to the next picture. But you want it to be eye-catching and popping enough to where it catches their attention. And they look at it for a say, oh, we have a, a soccer match this, this Thursday. Oh, we have a lacrosse match this Friday. And, uh, and maybe you up your attendance and, and um, up the involvement uh, with your student body. So that's one thing that I saw somebody do. I thought, man, that's a really good idea. We need to start doing that. Well, another thing, uh, it's kind of it's kind of coming from the colleges, and I remember it from my days in college, but I hadn't seen a lot of high schools, at least uh, around uh, South Carolina, that do this. But, you know, the weight room, everybody knows how important the weight room is and training athletes, but a part that I think high schools, at least in, in my part of the world, have been missing is the nutritional aspect of training mm-hmm. athletes. And a couple of years ago, we went to our booster club and said, hey, we want to we want to we want to add something to our training program for our athletes from a nutrition standpoint. Um, and some, you know, in colleges, you might get the muscle milk or you might get whatever supplement that these athletes are taking after a workout and that sort of thing. And that gets expensive. So we thought, well, what can we do on a on our level with our budget to still try to give them some some of those calories after workouts and still try to, to help replenish their bodies? And, and we actually settled on, you know, half a pint of chocolate milk. And, you know, our strength coach got into it. Uh, he's, a, he's a really good, really good guy in the strength conditioning world. He said, look, uh, you know, you need something with some protein. You need something with some carbohydrates. You know, he kind of got into the science. of it. So, well, let's look at chocolate milk and see what it has to offer. And it's a little cheaper and, and still provides us something. And we said, well, what now? You know, what's what's next? Can we add some more calories? Um, to, you know, you're bringing these kids in at six o'clock to work out and you're trying to send them to class. And we want to make sure that they have what they need to make it throughout their day. Um, and looking at what colleges were doing and then trying to, I guess, water it down to what we could actually afford to do um, to still meet that need for our athletes was something else that I guess you could say we sort of stole um, or <laughs> borrowed, you know, that concept, you know, uh, it's not just training your kids in the weight room, but it's also taking care of their bodies uh, in other ways. Right. I can't tell you how much uh, I went to Oregon State. I, I rode crew there. So an endurance sport. And that's all they talked about was in terms of your personal personal purchases, because we had the muscle milk and all the other stuff after you got done with workouts. But what you bought for at home, chocolate milk. They told all the athletes, <laughs> get a jug of chocolate milk. And if you went to like the Fred Myers on on Sunday, it was always gone. But that uh, right there was something that college kids could afford and supplement after big workouts mm-hmm. and things like that. So uh, spot on. And I, I like this concept of stealing from the colleges because you guys both were at huge time programs, you know, Clemson University and University of Texas. So Lynn, you know, what's something that maybe you've taken away from University of Texas that you've tried to install into the programs that you've been a part of at the high school level? Well, when I was at the University of Texas, it was when women's basketball was just making its debut, so to say. And I worked under some very powerful women, Donna Lopiano, uh, Chris Pulaski, who's still at the University of Texas, and Jody Conrad. Uh, they were pioneers in their areas of Title IX and those type things. And Austin is a fairly progressive city, so there wasn't a lot of Title IX type things to to have to worry about. But that is one of the things that I've always been conscious of and looked at in all of our programs. Are we equal across the district? Where is it that we're needing to have some help at which uh, particular schools, those type things? Um, so that's probably one of the things I brought uh, from there. And also, um, 
the compliance part with NCAA, uh, just like with UIL, it's not as extensive as NCAA, but how important it is that the coaches understand the paperwork and all that they have to have to make sure their their um, kids are eligible for their sports and those type of things. So those are probably two of the biggest things I took away uh, to come into this job. And Darian, I know you already gave us one, but is there anything else that you can remember from your days at Clemson that you brought into uh, TL Hannah? Well, one thing I remember how excited kids were to come to summer camps when I was at Clemson. Mm-hmm. We would actually, the managers mm-hmm. would actually have to work summer camps as part of our, our duties. And uh, man, those kids, they just, they got really excited. Parents were really excited because they could um, take a break from their kids for a few hours or for a few days, but also get their kids some type of lesson in, in whatever sport they were pursuing. So um, I, I thought, well, why not try to do something like that here for our community, for our feeder system? You know, why not say, hey, uh, all of our coaches, why don't you find a week during the summer where you can have a, a three or four day camp, you know, for a few hours a day. Um, and it's not necessarily something that you're going to make all this money on as much as one, you're going to, you know, you're going to serve your community. You're going to mm-hmm. give these Here's an opportunity to learn what your sport really is and let your let some of your, you know, your older players, some of the players that these young kids look up to, you know, let those players coach them up and, and the parents can, you know, have a little break and the parents can feel like their kids are learning something, you know, during the summer month when um, when we're all trying to make sure that we don't lose too much of what we got through in the school year anyway. So that was something that I said, man, the colleges do a great job at this. And yeah, they make a little money with it, but we could probably do a, a, a decent job of this and still, you know, provide something for both parties. You know, we um, we get to, you know, show off our facilities and show off our coaches and show off everything about our athletic department, and then the, the kids in our community get a chance to experience it uh, before they get to the high school level. So that's something else that um, that I, I try to borrow, so to speak, from, from my day Yeah, definitely. And – I know we're over the 30 and we always go over the 30. We need to change this to like the Thursday 45 or something, but I do want to get to one question that um, my, the, my favorite question in terms of how uh, your perspective on what makes a great AD, right? So you are both in the assistant athletic director role. You get to serve uh, some phenomenal athletic directors themselves, but your perspective on for other athletic directors out there that may have their own assistants or that don't, right? There's a lot of small schools that don't have assistant ADs. Um, so to help them understand, you know, wh- what you think a great AD is. Lynn, you want to go ahead and go first? Oh, I can. <laughs> uh, I kind of alluded on this earlier, I think in, in the interview was uh, uh, not a micromanager type, not micromanaged uh, your personnel uh, and give clear expectations of what it is that you want out there and, and the direction you're going to go. Have a a clear uh, vision and mission statement so everyone knows what the department's about and and what it is that you're going to do. I think it's also important uh, uh, that your AD includes your your assistant directors in some of the. I know um, Lil Anderson, who's our athletic director, has to spend a lot of time down at the central office in meetings and all. And he will pull his uh, pull myself and the other assistant athletic director in on on some meetings in areas that we might be helpful or have an inside information, and and let us be a part of that as well. So it gives us a little bit of insight to the workings of what's happening at the at the top end of the district. So I think all those things and. Clear communication. Communication is the key. Uh, you've got to have that 
on the on the platter and it's got to be your number one in that. And I think honesty and trust is also another area that's that's very important in the uh, characteristics of a, of a good athletic director. I'm going to I'm going to get a follow up question on that. What makes a good communicator? Because I think that's a it's true. You know, that there's a lot. Some people are phenomenal at communication. But what is it that they do that makes them so great? Well, I think a good communicator is one that gets to the point, uh, the point of that's that question. Uh, I think that um, you need to be real careful. A lot of times in being in the administration, you talk circles around items and it's more important that you get to the meat of it and and get a um, what the problem is and start working on a solution and attack it, so to say, and not be one that's going to, oh, maybe it'll go away tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to go away. It's going to be there. So I think communication in as far as um, if you've got a phone call within 24 hours, you should be returning those phone calls, those type of things, and uh, helping working through whatever situations there are out there. Love that. Appreciate it. So, Darian, same question. What makes a great AD, in your opinion? Um, well, one thing is you, you always want to appear to have it all together. You know, you always want to have a presence. You want to walk into a room. And um, and folks know that, OK, well, this is a guy in charge. This is a, a person I need to talk to. This is a person that can handle uh, the issue that I have. And, and how do you how do you always maintain that presence? Uh, well, you got to work like crazy behind the scenes. Um, a guy uh, at Middle Tennessee State, actually the head football coach, uh, Rick Stockstill, when he was at Clemson, he told me, he said, man, if you ever want to get in leadership, um, you need to keep he called it the duck theory. He said you need to keep this in mind. You know, when you watch a duck in the water, it seems like they're just gliding along. They're so graceful, right? But underwater, man, their feet are working like crazy. And you just never see that. He said, as a leader, that's how you need to approach your job. You need to, if it's a weekend, if it's after hours, if it's early in the morning, you know, to be really good at your job, you have to put in as much time as necessary and you mm -hmm. have to work like crazy so that when the time comes and you're, you know, doing your deal, well, you know, you're, you can be relaxed, you can be focused, you can be you can, you know, have that presence of, yes, I, I, everything's taken care of. Everything, everybody's where they're supposed to be and, um, and everything's going to go fine. And, and that when folks look up to you and see that, see that look, they, they get a little more relaxed. You know, if you look at your leader and your leader looks like <laughs> the world is about to come falling apart and you're, I mean, it's going to be a bad day for you too. So you want to look at him uh, for that security. Um, and that's how you can get that, you know, by just making sure you work like crazy behind the scenes to, to have that presence. And I think another thing that makes a really great AD is being uh, unemotional with your decision making. Um, a guy once told me, he said, rarely in athletics, other than the actual game, do you have to mm -hmm. make that decision right now? Um, you always, or usually, you will, you will have time to think about it. And no matter if you're really upset or, or really excited or really sad or anything, you, you have time to process, you have time to think about it. And don't make emotional decisions because mm -hmm. one of the worst things you can do is make a decision and then have to go back on it. And now you, like Lynn said, you've lost some of the trust that you tried to build and establish with the people that work with you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. I mean, golly, no. once you do that, it goes real bad. So it does. <laughs> um, don't make emotional decisions. You know, a great leader is one that, you know, you bring him the problem, he processes the information, looks at all of the things that are involved in making the decision. Uh, he thinks it through. Uh, and then he makes it the best decision for for all parties involved. And, you know, when you can do that, um, I think you can be a really good leader. And no matter what field you're in, 
And I think great ADs do that. Mm-hmm. Well, both of you have given us some great advice and uh, definitely think that both of you are phenomenal at your jobs, the way you guys have presented yourselves here today. Uh, I would like to have you guys put in the chat uh, your contact information because there were several requests, Lynn, for your handbook and also Darian wanted to reach out to you about other ideas. <laughs> So if you guys could, any type of contact information, put that there in the chat. Um, We really, really appreciate both of you on this interview and then everybody else that uh, is watching live. Uh, We're here every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So uh, there's some faithfuls here. I know Holly Fernaces from Pennsylvania has been almost on all of these. Kimo Weaver from Hawaii. I love seeing these familiar names uh, come across the chat screen and uh, really appreciate your support. I would like you guys to send us, and I'll put my contact information in here as well, send us topics and people that you think we should be involving in these interviews. As we saw today, both Lynn and Darian had phenomenal information that uh, a lot of people could use, right? I was telling Darian before this, I want the drills of assistant athletic directors. You know, I want something that people can take away, like coaches take drills and put them in their practices. And uh, I thought you guys both did a really, really good job doing that. And uh, so if you guys could, those of you in the chat, reach out to me personally and let me know what we should bring to the table next week and the weeks after. We have some good shows coming up. Uh, We have the Duke University athletic director is going to be on this. He's agreed to do it. Uh, We have an athletic director from Alaska that's going to come in and give you a story about a polar bear canceling a game. So we have some stuff in the in the works, but we also (laughs) want your input too on uh, how we can keep this show going and making it exciting and entertaining to all of the athletic directors that watch it. So long outro. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you so much, Darian. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you, Pat. You do an awesome job with your show. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the AD Insider Podcast. We're here to help provide access to experts and educators in the field of athletic administration. So please let us know what you'd like to hear next. All you have to do is message us on social media or reach out to us on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com.